This is CFO's Autonomous Future, the Gartner Finance Podcast. Today, we're going to get a rundown on what graph databases are and how they're helping finance teams improve their speed, accuracy, and insight for the organization. We know that the number one thing CFOs said will be hard in 2022 is managing their data and getting more leverage out of their data for the way that they support the enterprise. Today, I'm joined by one of our esteemed guests, Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson is a senior director analyst here on the Gartner Finance team. He helps Gartner CFOs and FP&A clients with their data management, advancing their analytics, and leveraging new, unique tools to help finance be a better partner to the business. Now, Grant joined Gartner about two years ago from Genuine Parts. Genuine Parts is an automotive and industrial replacement parts distributor and a Fortune 250 company. He held many roles across his 20 years there in corporate and business unit FP&A. Most recently, he was a VP of Strategic Financial Analytics. Grant, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Alex. Glad to be here. Good. And, and Grant, I know, you know, we talk about autonomous finance a lot. And a few weeks ago, you said, hey, Alex, I got to get on the show and talk about graph databases. And I said, great. Well, you can tell the audience, why are we even here talking about graph databases? Yeah, Alex. And um, I, I think kind of the blinding flash came several months ago. I was speaking with a regional uh, grocery store client of ours, and they operated about 1,100 stores. And their CEO came to their FP&A team asking about some margin questions and specifically the request was would you give me a basket analysis of every shopping cart sold within our grocery stores over the last six months so 1100 stores every basket for six months worth of time that's a pretty big ask Um, and even though they were working with or since they were working with a relational database structure they had to write this really complicated sql or structured query language So they could go through each and every data set within their data ecosystem and bring back some of these basket data points so they could get to some of these margin insights. Just in order to author that query, it took them about two and a half weeks. And then as they began to execute that query, they realized it was so complicated. It took them three days because they they had to put a load balancer on it. Otherwise, it was going to crash the system. And then once they got the initial data return back to them and they could begin to analyze a little bit more about where there was some margin link with leakage to improve upon some of these rebates, other questions kept coming in. And that then required them to kind of rinse and repeat that two week plus development cycle on the query and then uh, go back through the actual execution of the query itself. And so as opposed to working harder, they started to think smarter about this. Was there another way that they could approach the query and really start to ask those questions and see their data for what it really was? And they started to look into non-relational data or graph query as a solution. And as they began to work with this, um, it took them a couple of weeks to understand how to how to execute upon it. But within a couple of days, they actually wrote the query. And because graph ran so much faster, Within three hours, they had the results. So if you think about it, two and a half weeks just to get to the authoring of the query and making sure it was working, three days to execute because of load balancer. Within a couple of days, they could get some of these answers and even faster as they became more familiar with the solution. 
graph really did seem like a great way to get some insights that might be beyond arm's reach and avoid some of the const uh, the constraints of more relational database query and structure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Grant. I think with what's going on with the war in Ukraine and inflation and how you know CFOs are having to forecast and reforecast and look at margins continuously, um, this makes a lot of sense and it saves teams a lot of time. Now, let's jump into kind of the mechanics of this. Can you tell us kind of what is a graph database in a fundamental sense? Yeah, and absolutely. And I wish the answer was a little bit more straightforward, but it's really kind of consistent of three components. But if I had to come up with the shortest answer as possible, a graph database is a non-relational database. It stores data's relationships as opposed to records. So if you think about more of a structured database that you might find in a data warehouse where there's a table of columns and rows, you're not going to find that in a graph database. But what you are going to find is the relationships that your data has to other data that you would find within that ecosystems. So it's kind of a combination of three things, like I said. So it's a combination of graph theory, which includes advanced mat mathematics and statistics for multidimensional processing. Uh, so things like AI, ML to detect data, uh, graph analytics, which can uh, help evaluate the presence, the persistence, the propensity of any data relationship within an ecosystem. And finally, kind of, again, that graph database, which stores the relationships uh, kind of as a predicate defined linkage between different sort of entities. And I know that's a lot to swallow, but uh, let's break it down a little bit. Um, in terms of graph theory and the advanced math, it's actually not that advanced at all. It's quite old. It goes all the way back to 1736 Prussia in the city of Konigsberg. And in Konigsberg in the day, the city was centered on two islands uh, on a river. And there were seven bridges that connected the city's islands to the population. And the city's bridge lovers devised a competition to determine the optimal route to traverse each bridge while only crossing each bridge once. And the goal was to experience the glory of each bridge in the minimal amount of time so you could enjoy all the bridges in the city itself. It, it was a simple enough competition to kind of explain and understand, but because of the way that you had to traverse each bridge, it was actually quite difficult to solve. And because of that, there was a mathematician named Leonard Euler that caught, it caught his attention. And he began to come up with graph theory. And graph theory includes a graph or a data structure that's defined by a set of vertices or edges or links between different indices. The vertices are these individual points um, that kind of bring the graph together and the edges are the lines that connect the vertices or the nodes together. So for those who don't speak advanced math, I know all of this sounds complicated, but it's best to think of graph theory as a subject to predicate to object relationship. For example, if you wrote a graph query with the goal of finding things made of wood, then the subject or the node is the material or the wood itself. The predicate is a thing that links the nodes together. In this case, it's the made of predicate. And then the object is another node or something that's actually made of wood, such as a table or a chair. So since this subject to predicate to object relationship is three part, it's called a triple. And an individual triple is called a pair. So since a chair is made of wood and a table is made of wood, 
you would have two pairs in graph theory. And at the same time, if you introduced a new predicate, such as combustible or burning to your query, then other triples and pairs would be presented. So the advanced math of graph theory is really the way graph navigates the multiple data sources or dimensions that enable graph analytics to make the triples relationships known. To the second component, graph analytics, this is how graph identifies the presence of and the strengths of and the persistence of these relationships or the predicates between subjects and objects. Graph uses AI or ML-driven algorithms to assess the directionality, the closeness, the betweenness, the degree of difference, even the clustering or other relationships that might be, uh, exist between subjects and objects. So it really enables uh, analysts to determine a graph's characteristics and if need be, associate new relationships based on inference or maybe even enforce conformity uh, based on constraints. So to the third component, and I'm gonna take a pause for air here in just a second, Alex, I promise. The graph database itself. Again, the databases don't store data in a relational database or structured or columns and row type of sense. Rather, graph databases store the triples between the objects and the predicates. So since the databases stores the relationships, the linkage can be made to any type of available data, albeit structured or unstructured, unstructured being like visuals and audio and GIS data. Therefore, a graph isn't bound by the limits or shackled by the need to prepare your data, the time and the cost of a relational database environment. Perhaps more importantly, Graph specifically addresses the data and the analytical needs of our multi-connected and growing digital environment. Like I said early on, a graph database stores these relationships as opposed to the records, but getting to the database requires a bit of math and a pinch of data science. Just a pinch, just a pinch. Just a pinch. <laughs> no, no, I think this be a punch. I think, Maybe a punch. I think this is yeah, punch. I think this is helpful to to kind of um, put these things in, in into real world context to understand how the, the data linkages work together. Now, if we keep going on this, um, I know you've talked to our clients in the past about what a knowledge graph is. Can you give us kind of some examples or definitions around what a knowledge graph is? Yeah, and that's a lot easier an answer. Um, a knowledge graph is really the conceptual visualization of a graph database data's relationships. So we often see these mentioned with graph databases because of the visualizations uh, cap capacity to really kind of show these relationships. So in essence, a knowledge graph is like a network sort of visual diagram. It's like being able to look at the stars in the night sky, but see the vertices between the stars and the constellations and also be able to see the vertices of other stars and similar constellations with similar qualities. So like vertices between red giants or white dwarfs. So if you don't need a graph database per se to develop a knowledge graph, you can do this without it. So a graph can be developed in so long as you're aware of or have a hypothesis of how things are related. For instance, if you have a business agenda um, or an objective to like show me my most effective marketing programs to attract new customers, you could sit down with others in your business and start with a marketing program and uh, then start to look for customers as your subject uh, and objects and attraction being the predicate linking the two things uh, together within the entities. So 
Um, as other marketing programs may be introduced in the discussion, the gr knowledge graph begins to take form. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great example. Now, a lot of our clients that, that we work with um, are still using relational databases for the most part. Why, you know, I know you gave that story when we got started um, at the grocery store chain, but but why? what's the business case for moving to, you know, off of a relational database to, to, to what we've been talking about today? It's really speed and the ability to know. So you commented a little bit earlier about some of the geopolitical uh, disruption that's going on, but let's just say that you need to find every instance of a certain country that you might be doing business with is now off limits. And you had to go find all of those data points. So if they're related to vendors or they're related to customers that you needed to maybe change some of your policies, how would you go about doing that? It would take you a good bit of time. Uh, with graph, it's a lot simpler. Uh, so you could, again, identify uh, that subject and look for the predicate and then go find the object. So every customer or vendor or other thing that you would find there. So it works really fast to be able to query and then executing that query is even faster. So we were looking uh, at, I was looking at some information around some, um, some research on the speed of graph relative to relational query, but um, across a hundred data sets, if you had to execute a SQL query versus a graph query, such as Cypher or GraphQL, uh, graph query language moved 5.7 times, almost six times faster than SQL. Across 500 data sets, it became exponentially faster. It moved 30 times faster than SQL. So if you start to think about just the speed, um, absolutely. But if you wanted to break it down into more practical business terms, um, you know, go back to the city of Konigsberg. What's the optimal delivery route? Uh, gas prices are going through the roof. If you have to fill up a tractor trailer today, <laughs> you may be spending as much as $1,500 or $2,000, depending on the price of diesel in your area. So delivery route optimization, making sure that you're not burning unnecessary diesel uh, is a great uh, opportunity with Graph. If you're looking for a community of cohorts by demographics, if it's a retail sort of environment or firmographics, if it's a B2B environment, uh, graph is great for identifying clusters or partitions or finding groups of people that might interact in a social network. And are those connections, are those interactions growing or they're more transient? So um, looking for things like centricity, like the most important things within your network, who's your most profitable customer? Uh, maybe the most influential customers or vendors, or maybe the most uh, the vendors that you're most dependent upon to avoid some supply chain interruption. Uh, identifying things for similarity, you know how things are similar, or maybe how things are different than each other. So they're usually used in consumer applications to recommend similar products or services. If you're in an online retail environment, yes, you can use the customer's patterns of what they've looked at in your catalog. But what happens if you had a cohort, if you had identified or related that customer to a cohort, you can start recommending similar products or services uh, to those customers, predicting outcomes. What's the likelihood that things are going to form or maybe a relationship is going to change or become stronger? Um, and that could also be used for other product recommendations or suggesting interactions within your sales teams uh, or your marketing teams. 
And then finally, measuring the connectivity and looking for the strengths and the weaknesses of a connection, uh, such as like maybe a power grid identifying the nodes that are connected and those that aren't, um, you know, it, different ways. I think one of the original cases was really looking for fraudulent uh, actors within maybe a vendor community or potentially within a customer community and detecting that fraud. Because Graph didn't require the relational database to be structured or to be built, it really took uh, it took its initial hold on some of the accounting or maybe the approval side of things in identifying foreign corrupt actors or other sort of uh, areas that we might be subject uh, subjugating our, our enterprises to fraudulent activities. Yeah, and 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 I think those examples are are great. Now, Grant, I know you spend a lot of time on the ground with our clients actually thinking about how do we roll up our sleeves and put some of this um, put some of this to work really in, in terms of use cases. Now, um, I know you've been documenting some of that. Do you have any more examples you want to share in terms of how clients have kind of seen this come to life in, in, in their own use case? Yeah, and I think with finance leaders, it's important to think about what Graph kind of struggles with, and that's um, it can incorporate the transactional data, but if you still need to maintain your audit good graces and stay off of um, any sort of material or even immaterial deficiencies, there's going to be some need to persist the relational to transactional databases. But in terms of getting started, if you have a zest or a need for knowledge and insight and you're really struggling uh, with your relational structures, Graph can be a good solution. So I, I would say, you know, the market is starting to mature uh, in general. Uh, there are some new entrants that are there, but there's some also other established vendors and even cloud uh, providers uh, that are offering uh, some really good uh, solutions. So if you start to think about bigger companies and opportunities like Amazon or Cambridge or even Microsoft Azure, they're always there. But then some leaders in the space might be Neo4j or OntoText or uh, even some others like Redis Graph or SAP Graph that can kind of maybe take advantage of some existing applications or software that your business has engaged with. And you can begin to uh, explain or begin to uh, answer some of those questions non and no longer be bound by your relational database structures. That's great. That's great. And thanks for, for mentioning some of the vendors as well. Now, Grant, if, if, if a client is listening to this podcast and they're like, wow, this could really give us, you know, some leverage and, and speed up the operations of our, of our FP&A team, what are, what are some ways that they could um, kind of take action with us? Is there, is there research you would point them to or, or a conversation? Yeah, so uh, we've got a number of different research uh, uh, notes that are out there. Um, we've talked about uh, knowledge graphs in the past, um, financial data strategy and knowledge graphs, just kind of talking not just about the graph, but about the knowledge graph itself to look for data's relationships to help out with some of your new to world questions. Um, uh, there's other things that we can offer on just graph database. There's a great piece that's out there. It's a graph steps on to the main stage. Uh, that's out there that kind of talks about it, even graph use cases uh, within finance and accounting. Uh, we can help you there. And as always, as a Gartner client, uh, feel free to uh, reach out to your account executive and you can have a, an inquiry with uh, an expert like myself or one of my peers that covers uh, graph and the non-relational database uh, structures and finance. That's great. And, and Grant, we'll make sure and um, link to uh, some of those resources that you mentioned in the show notes. 
Well, thank you. I, I, you know, we could spend the rest of the uh, the the hour on on this topic, I'm sure, Grant. But um, I know you have clients to to get back to helping um, kind of roll up their sleeves on this topic. So um, I'll let you go, and and I appreciate the time. And and for everybody that's listening, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, we, we'll keep we'll keep going on on episodes like this where we bring on Gartner experts um, in a variety of areas linked back all to helping CFOs and their teams make progress toward a more autonomous future in the way that they run their finance organization. So again, Grant, I appreciate the time and um, we'll talk soon. No, thank you, Alex. I look forward to hearing from everybody. Please subscribe and share this episode with your colleagues and thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insights, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner provides impartial, independent analysis of business and technology. This content should not be construed as Gartner's endorsement of any enterprise's product or service. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.